Hey, this is Todd Herman, host of the Todd Herman Show. They call me the Emerald City Exile. Liz Tuss lasted about two and a half hours as Prime Minister of England. How could she last longer? Yeah, she made some mistakes, but she's also not mobbed up. Check out the Todd Herman Show every day on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, and marriage. Folks, these subjects are a big part of political dialogue today, and we talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. Right now, my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So what are you waiting for? The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Visit DanaForHillsdale.com to watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation, and sign up for this new completely free online course. That's DanaForHillsdale.com. DanaForHillsdale.com. You you have said that uh, the president finds the Pennsylvania Democratic Senate candidate, John Fetterman, to be impressive and a capable individual. After last night's debate, does he have any concerns about Fetterman? Not at all. Look, Fetterman, as we know, he's also lieutenant governor. He's been able to to serve in that role. He is, I've also said, the president sees him as an authentic advocate for the middle class. And that matters. Oh, Oh, boy. But also, this is sort of the narrative that the media is putting out there. This is uh, Fetterman sort of bragging about his performance two nights ago. Knew it, knew it wasn't going to be easy after you know having a stroke after five, uh, five months. In fact, uh, in fact, in in fact, I don't think that's ever been done before in American political history before. Actually, okay, you're just an ableist. That's all you are. You're just an absolute ableist. Just so you know. Why would you brag about what you did two nights ago if you're Fetterman? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Why would you? Welcome to the program. Happy Thursday to you, your lovable curmudgeon host, Dana Lashier. And we're going to get you set up for the end of the week. This is the big narrative, though, that's been coming out. And I was reading ever since yesterday about a thousand and eleven hundred pieces on this, by the way where if you are in any way critical of, and this is their last-ditch effort, by the way, to try to save the seat, if you're in any way critical of John Fetterman or his performance, then you are discriminatory towards disabled people. Yeah, you are discriminatory. In fact, there was a piece, I want to say, in USA Today about this. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's it's everywhere. It's everywhere, it, all over. So there was a piece in USA Today about this, where they were they were arguing that any that it was a great moment for disabled Americans. And I want to say too, I'm looking at my notes here. Uh, I want to say too that there there were a couple of other pieces. I want to say like the Atlantic and elsewhere that if you are if you're critical, then you're critical. It's a big moment. They're trying to make it like it's owned by all disabled Americans. Like this was their big moment. And I'm thinking that's really ignorant because first off, I would think disabled Americans can do better than John Fetterman, number one. 
But number two, that's just you're just trying. You're just taking that and and stealing. That's just a horrible thing to do. That's how desperate these people are to get this seat. But you know what? It's bad if you say that you want Herschel Walker to win. But it's it's a tactic if you think about it, because if you disagree with a Democrat who happens to be a white female, you're sexist. If you disagree with a Democrat who happens to be a black female or black male, you're racist. Now, if you disagree with a Democrat because he's clearly incapable of handling the Senate seat for Pennsylvania, now you're ableist. Yeah. It's it's a tactic, and until people catch on to this charade, uh, it's just going to continue. It's going to keep going and going and going and going, and they're going to take this right up all the way up until all the way up until election day. That's what's coming. That is what's coming. Just so you know. So I I, I really think you know, and people have the right also to ask whether or not, and I tweeted about it a little bit earlier today, whether or not. You know, you, if, if, if I don't care what someone is dealing with, I don't care what a health issue they have. I also want to point out, you know, if I can direct your t- attention back to the 80s, do you do, just notice the difference between Ronald Reagan and how they handled Reagan and what you're seeing with Fetterman now? Oh, yeah. Just notice the difference with that. Because remember, Reagan was. What all did they say Reagan had? Reagan had uh, Alzheimer's and he was about he was about ready to, you know, he's about ready to you know, kick over. He had all this, you know, all this. And they made it to be this. It was like this huge thing. It was this huge thing. And they they just they tore they tried to tear him up over it. And they tried to act like, you know, later on after he was out of the White House that Reagan really shouldn't have been serving because he had, you know, he had Alzheimer's. But I, you know, I was there and I was talking to when I visited uh, the Reagan Ranch and I was talking with the special agent that that rode with him and that was closest to him because Reagan was uh, a top-notch horseman. And so there were only, there was only apparently one Secret Service agent that was as good that could keep up with him when he was on the trails in the Santa Ynez Mountains. And... He was saying that it wasn't until well after, because it's their responsibility even after someone's out of office to continue protecting them. And he was saying it wasn't even until way after he was out of the White House and he was considerably older that he began noticing when he would go to, you know, saddle up that he was missing certain things. And, and, you know, he finally sat down and had a discussion with him as per Nancy Reagan's encouragement. Oh, you can't do that. You know, you're, you got to consider what's happening here to you. My whole point in that is that they the media and and they're like this i mean think about herschel walker he wrote about dealing with injuries and what that did to his health in his book and the media went after him acting they that that made him apparently ineligible but it's a it's a bonus for fetterman that's the way they look at it i just want to reiterate this no one has a right to an elected seat this is the headline from msnbc quote disabled americans have the right to be represented and most importantly to work and that includes working for u.s government that's not what this is about nobody has a right to an elected seat Voters have every right to question their candidates' abilities. And John Fetterman and his fellow Democrats need to remember that. He is not entitled to this seat. They are not entitled to that seat. But Pennsylvania voters are entitled to the best representation they can get in the Senate. The end. It's just asinine. I can't even believe that this is... It's just so pathetic. Shame on these people. There was another thing related to this. Let me find it because I was doing a, a told you so last night. Uh, here's here's Mediaite's headline. Ready? Let's stop pretending John Fetterman's stroke matters more than how he'd vote in the Senate. 
Hey, where are all of the people who accused me a couple of weeks ago of saying the quiet part out loud? Yeah. Where y'all at? Just curious. Where y'all at? Remember? Golly, these it's just it's it's I'm not dealing. I'm not. Mm-mm. They're they're upset because they realize how close it is. They know what's at stake. They know what's coming. They see how they see it. When you look, let me just pull this. Up. I wasn't going to do this till later, but I wanted to pull it up real quick. When you look at Senate, dude, he is so within the margin of error. It is neck and neck. Now, I will say in the past two polls he led but there was a fox 29 insider advantage poll that showed it was a tie 46 46 rasmussen 45 43 fetterman cbs news 51 49 fetterman and the rcp average is 47 46 it's super close and it's going to take i think what, what it'll take is electioneering from oz and advice so he's got to get out there all right so uh, this with this, I wanted to share this piece. This was a fantastic piece because everyone always hears, "Oh, Braddock, Pennsylvania." John Fetterman was the mayor. John Fetterman was the mayor. So Mia Cathell decided to go and walk the streets of Braddock, Pennsylvania. Matt Vespa had a piece earlier this month saying Fetterman's time as mayor is coming back to bite him because that's a significant part of his record. In fact, that's almost all you got to remember. This guy didn't work. He legit did not work. He was what a part-time insurance agent for Chubb for maybe two years after his parents got him the job and they paid him an allowance. So he didn't have to work. His sister got him his bougie loft. I mean, this guy has been, he's the, he, they treat him like he is the perpetual baby of the family. He is completely kept. And he's totally fine with it. And so Mia Cathell went to, because there were a lot of people that are talking loudly about what Fetterman did or didn't do in Braddock. And a lot of them, I want to, I've got to tell you, they're Democrats. I mean, for the love, the Democrat city council. Everyone keeps going, no, 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 he's a different type of Democrat. They're trying to borrow, they're trying to do a Kennedy-Gore thing with him. Like, he's the, you know, America's son, Kennedy approach, but also the everyman with hay in his teeth like Gore was, or how they presented him to be. And so they're making him, they're trying to make him out to be like this everyman. He's just a rural working class dude. He's not at all. He's like literally not a part of the working class at all whatsoever. And so there had been... uh, all these people, when New York Post went and they interviewed him, interviewed a bunch of Braddock citizens, and they were they were laughing at him. They were like, "This he didn't do anything around here. You're not you you're not going to ride around and see a lot of Fetterman signs." He left his uh, one hundred fifty dollar a month gig in the mayor's office, and then he just somehow got a job as the Pennsylvania lieutenant governor. Got a sweet paycheck with that. They're like, "We don't see Fetterman." He says he lives in the community, and we don't see him. That's uh, the former mayor, Charday Jones. They were laughing at him. You know, he was accused when Levi's came in and they did this like whole thing, this ad thing. And Fetterman was acting like, look what I did. I brought all these people in. It's so great. Uh, they're going to get you know, national attention for Braddock. Uh, they came in and brought in models and then left. And the whole town was going, what? What? what, what? He got he got a bit. He got name boost out of it. Earned earned ad uh, earned media. But they didn't. So they went around and they were walking around uh, Braddock, Mia Cathell. And she says that Braddock's supposed rebirth is apparent. That's his go-to talking point that he always sputters when he's on the Senate campaign trail. 
And so she went to Civic Plaza, a colorful, aesthetic-looking community space that stands in in contrast to the urban decay plaguing all other parts of Bleak Braddock. And just noticed that the citizens, the residents, don't like him. They feel that Fetterman used Braddock, according to Sharday Jones. Other people were saying... Uh, oh, he put a spotlight on the community? Yeah, spotlight's nice, but you got to do something once you have it. That's an actual quote from someone who lives there. Oh, boy. Others were saying, people need jobs. And when Fetterman says, I help create jobs in Braddock, I'm like, where? Wow. And then one of the other things, the city council accused him of claiming what they did. They said that uh, most of the progress in Braddock is actually attributed to the what they say are council projects that Fetterman didn't attend city council meetings and the Washington Free Beacon obtained those records. He never showed up for city council meetings. Uh, He skipped 53 of them in a row. Uh, He missed over a third of the borough's monthly gatherings. And that's when he was that's when he's mayor. How in the hell are you missing that as mayor? That's your job. Literally, you've got one job. They said that he never came to the table to do anything. He's a loaf is why. He's a lazy loaf. I have no idea how somebody like this guy can ascend to where he's at. I have more on this. Also, economy, average long-term mortgage rates jump. Of course, you're not surprised. They top 7% for the first time in two decades. Average long-term U.S. mortgage rates top 7%. And... uh, it's a result of the reserves, the Fed's aggressive rate hike. It's not taming inflation. It's not doing it. Nothing's come down. Especially when you got Biden spending every single time, even if they were to try to do anything to counter this, the government's just going to, oh, that means we can spend more cash. And over in Europe, we're going to talk a little bit about their energy crisis that they're facing. This is important to watch because this becomes a NATSEC issue. So this is just an example of how the green grift is failing. The wind farm, a wind farm in Germany is being destroyed To expand a coal mine. Yeah. I'm all about that. Hey. Folks, stop overpaying and let Recoil Gunworks be your go-to for ammo. This is a great Indiana-based company. And it was actually created in a small basement in 2013. Small Midwest town in their basement. And uh, family-owned, they think like us. And they're really known for, over at Recoil Gunworks, their web-based firearms, ammo, and accessories retailer. They're really known for their police trade-in guns in great shape. They pick them, including the firearms, the lights, the sights, the scopes, tasers, and more. You can buy now, pay later, no interest. And at Recoil Gunworks, they have very, very competitive pricing. Super easy to use website as well. Just visit recoilgunworks.com slash Dana. You can search for whatever you need by caliber, weight, application. You can look for brands like Winchester, Federal. Uh, Vast majority of the country, by the way, has no restrictions on receiving ammo. And they will note, you know, they have it all up there very helpfully on their website. Ammo shipped to your door where legal. And they explain that, including Illinois, New Jersey, and Connecticut. You need to see the frequently asked questions on that. And check the product restrictions page for further state law requirements and restrictions. Visit recoilgunworks.com slash Dana today to get you a full list of products. And use code Dana to get free shipping on your next order. Whether you need it in the woods or on the range, Recoil Gunworks gets it there fast and once you make your first order it won't be the last use code dana right now to get free shipping at recoilgunworks.com slash dana 
And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. Theft of frozen beef. Apparently, there is a, well, it's an alleged multi-state meat crime ring. Oh my gosh, there's so many jokes I could make right now. Also, those patties that we're showing on the simulcast for the nationally syndicated radio show seem thin. That's that's a shame. That's how you can be doing meat like that. So an investigation revealed $9 million worth of meat was stolen across six states in a highly sophisticated, organized criminal enterprise that targeted meat packaging plants, said law enforcement. Lancaster County Sheriff's Office in Nebraska said the investigation actually began last summer. Multiple semi-trailers and loads of frozen beef were stolen. I think we actually had that as a headline. And they were trying to figure out what was going on. The loss was about a million dollars, but apparently it's much larger than that. 45 thefts across six states. What are they doing with it? I mean, I, I got, I'm sorry, but I got to come back to this. Like, what? They, because they have no information on what's done with the stolen meat. This has a shelf life. So how are you going to be stealing? What are you doing with this? Really going to be selling meat on the black market? How does that even work? What is it for? Okay, we're keeping this open. I'm not saying it's aliens, but you know, this is uh, this is the British Sun. It's uh, this dad became the first Brit to get microchipped with a bank card implant, letting him pay with a wave of his hand. If my grandmother was alive, she'd be like, "That's of the devil." That's the mark. That's the sign of the devil. That's what that is. That's what she'd be saying. I'm not kidding. I literally quoted her. Uh, Arnie Zoki, 40 years old, forked out 300. He literally paid to have this done. He he paid to have it done. He says all I have to do is wave my hand. It's like magic, but it's not. He says the implant looks cool, but my wife would never have one. I. Yeah, your wife's smart. Your wife, I, I don't know if I could, I wouldn't trust, I wouldn't trust saying anything around it. I'm weird about this stuff. I don't even, he's like partial robot. And you guys know how I feel about Roombas. And New York state voter rolls are shockingly inflated by over 3 million voters. Shockingly or not. Yeah, stay with us. Dana Lash here for Arc Seeds. There's a growing sense of instability and uncertainty. Gas, housing, everyday items are way up. Uh, food prices have the nation reeling. The ability to grow your own healthy food is on almost everybody's mind. So this is why I want to tell you about Arc Seed Kits. You can visit Arc, A-R-K, ArcSeedKits.com and enter code Dana to receive 10% off. Now, Arc Seed Kits, it's a non-GMO seed company. It's family owned and they provide heirloom seeds for across the nation for over 13 years. They want to make sure every home in America has the ability to grow and harvest its own food. Now, these are the highest quality heirloom seeds. They arrive in a sustainable container offering long-term and short-term storage. And they also bring seed-saving knowledge and food preparedness to you and your community. You can get seeds for vegetables and herbs. They have 50,000 organically grown seeds in each kit. We're talking corn, watermelon, cucumbers, lettuce, beans, tomatoes, all kinds of stuff. Designed to grow new nutrient and calorie dense vegetables and fruits to sustain any home at any time. So, and they can be harvested and regrown year after year. You guys know how heirloom seeds work, right? Chaz Chop in Portland didn't. So visit Arc Seed Kits and enter Dana to get your 10% discount code and be on your way to food and economic security, helping you and your family and your community. It's a limited time offer. Visit arcseedkits.com, A-R-K, and order your seed kits and save 10% today. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. 
Warren Fetterman. I'm just curious if the president feels that um, uh, the lieutenant governor's decision to participate in that debate was um, an important moment in terms of um, welcoming people who have visibilities into the public sphere, um, and whether that was important symbolically. Look, the president, uh, as I said, is very impressive by his courage, uh, and. Um, uh, that he sees from the lieutenant governor. I'm not going to get into ambition any analysis for courage. of if he should have or should have not. Uh, but clearly, uh, you know, uh, when you are in those positions, when you are a lieutenant governor, you are also a leader and and uh, uh, on many levels. And uh, and, and so, again, yeah, you know, we are impressed by his courage. We are impressed uh, by uh, what he's been able to accomplish. What has he done? Exactly. Literally nothing. Add another hot dog to his neck? I don't know. Like, what has he done? I've, you know what? You think it. I say it. Come on. Welcome to the program. Dana Lash here with you. You're bemused, yet still lovable curmudgeon. The, Kane brought up this really good point. Actually, he shared this piece about uh, Mark Kirk. I totally actually forgotten about this. Washington Post had a piece where, and this was also via Twitchy. Washington Post had a piece where they discussed why the Chicago Tribune endorsed Tammy Duckworth, getting Tammy Duckworth into the Senate. There's a reason why she got into the Senate and Mark Kirk didn't. Mark Kirk was the Republican. And they wrote that they, I mean, they were very forthright about it. They said that they did, were not endorsing Duckworth because Mark Kirk had a stroke. That's... Well, they weren't endorsing Kirk. Yeah. yeah, they weren't, sorry, what did I say, Duckworth? Yeah. Oh, for the love. I just had a Joe Biden moment. They said they weren't endorsing Kirk because he had had a stroke. Yeah. So they were endorsing Tammy Duckworth, and that was their big reason. Yeah. And the headline, the Chicago Tribune endorsed uh, Congresswoman Tammy Duckworth over Senator Mark Kirk, uh, citing the incumbent's stroke and making their choice. Huh. Was this ableism? No, sure wasn't. Hmm. I mean, seems like ableism. But wait a minute, now it's okay because it's D, different. Yeah. So what's to stop someone from saying that, okay, well, we can't, you can't have Fetterman because of the same reason you couldn't have Mark Kirk. Yeah. That's the whole thing. I tell you what, it's just, it's, it's something else. The, it doesn't matter. It's just they're, they're saying the quiet part out loud. It's about saying the quiet part out loud. They're desperate to win this race. But when Republicans push back, they lose their minds, like with the situation with Herschel Walker. There's another whole Herschel Walker story out there. And it's another, there's no, I mean, it's another he said, she said. They try to do this to Herman Cain, too. The left particularly has a problem with black male conservatives. Look at any, look at how they try to do Tim Scott. Look at how they try to do Herman Cain. I mean, my goodness, today's left would have gone after MLK. Oh, you know I'm right. You know, he applied for a gun permit. So, this is, doesn't change anything for me. It doesn't change anything for me, shouldn't change anything for you. Not at all. Listen to this, audio sound by 15. This chick, Sonny Hostin, the uh, women on, ladies on The View... Going back and forth over this specifically. Check it. Well, I think that's the sad thing about this. I think 
think the sad thing about this is, you know, Herschel Walker is woefully underqualified for this job. Mm -hmm. And the only reason he was chosen and also supported by Trump is because Raphael Warnock, the senator in Georgia, is black. And they wanted someone who was black to confront him, to, to oppose him. We don't know what the, we can't tell each other apart. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I think it's sad that the GOP is using Herschel Walker in that way and he's letting himself be used because mm -hmm. I really do think he's being used. Oh, um, and I think he probably has. He's a pretend care. I think willingly. But, but he, he, willingly. Maybe. So what they said was racist just then. In, in their attempt to try to accuse the Republican Party of being racist because they have a black candidate, that by itself is racist because what they just said was there's no way they would have had a black candidate. They had to find someone because Raphael Warnock's black. Oh, my gosh. This is the same party, by the way, that refused to allow. I mean, they ran her out. Maya Flores, they would not allow her to join the Hispanic caucus. We're going to talk about that coming up. Same, same people. She was, well, actually talk about it. She was rejected by the uh, Hispanic Caucus, Congressional Hispanic Caucus. Why? She's not the right type of Hispanic. But, you know, it's everyone else who's racist, not Democrats. There was a woman uh, who was, I mean, you're, you're not even accepted into CBC if you're not Democrat. Because remember, Democrats, they have the trademark on black. That's why Joe Biden feels so fine going out there and being like, if you're not, unless you, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. I mean, that's the whole thing. Now, Kane also brings up this point, too. And remember, what did Joe Biden say when he was on the campaign trail? He's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put forward the first woman of, well, black female Supreme Court justice. Oh, but, you know. Walker was only chosen because he was black. But he but Joe Biden's gonna put forward the first black female SCOTUS nominee. Which wasn't that's not true. But that's I mean, essentially he's saying that he selected her because she was black. So how is that different from what the view is accusing Republicans of in Georgia? Which that just presupposes that Republicans in Georgia even did that, which they did not. Democrats don't think that black Americans will run as Republican candidates unless they're selected by the Republican Party. Democrats think that because Democrats have a plantation mentality. That is how they view everything. Oh, who picked you? Oh, who picked you to run? Who allowed it for you to run? Look at their party. It is the same old white people running that damn party and has been since the Civil War. For the love. Golly. I mean, just by, out of spite, James Clyburn got seniority in that party. That did not come easy to that man. That's just such a wild accusation to make. And it's racist. It's lazy and it's racist. People maybe liked him. And I don't care. It's all irrelevant. Because the plurality of voters in Georgia selected him to be the Republican nominee for Senate. And he's going to get that seat. Unless, I don't know, y'all want gun control and you want to pay for everybody else's abortions. Because that's what you're absolutely sure sugar going to get with Raphael Warnock. I promise you that much. Is that what y'all want? No, and I don't think so. You pick the vessel that's going to ferry your vote up. That's it. Walker's the vessel to ferry your vote. Warnock's not. He's going to drop it in the ocean. Just saying. So this, a uh, couple of other things. 
because I'm not I'm not getting the late October. I don't care. I don't care what surprise you throw at me. I don't care. I don't care if you took off Herschel Walker's if he was wearing a mask and he and you took it off like Scooby-Doo style and he was an alien. I don't care. Next. And so there is a Trump announced a rally to push candidates across help to help midterm candidates. There needs to be, I think, I don't know, I don't know who the pack, their pack is supporting, but they, uh, there's, remember, with this, the media is still trying really, really hard. They are desperate, desperate, desperate. There's a piece in Politico today for a Trump-DeSantis matchup, a Trump-DeSantis rivalry. Now, this, and the media, I want you to realize how the media is controlling you, specifically the right. Because the media realizes that there's a lot of loyalty to Trump. And they want to use that and weaponize it against any up-and-coming candidates. as They want to actually weaponize you without you knowing against any up-and-coming candidates. Nobody knows. Anyone out there saying that they think Trump is going to run, they actually don't know. Because I don't think Trump even knows. I think, and I've known him for about you know, 10 years. He used to come on the show all the time. I think he's leaning towards not. But I think also there is a value in and and a life there. I think there's a value and uh, and I don't how do I say it a lengthening of his political lifespan to be a kingmaker by pull like stretching it out till the you know last minute, which I think also offers protection to other candidates. The media knows what his currency is. Everyone has a currency. Everybody has a currency. Be honest about it. It's not good or bad. It's just what your currency is. It is the thing that if you are going to be manipulated by someone, they are going to use this to manipulate you. And everybody has a level of vanity. I think that you have to have a level of vanity just to even be in politics or even be in business at a certain level. And so this is not a pejorative to say that that is, I think that's his currency. And the media knows that if they try to portray him as being uninfluential or past his expiration date or something like that, that that would that would trigger him or push him into staying or getting into the game. And that's what they want, because that is the only way if they can have a redo, that's the only way that Biden's even remotely competitive. And that's it's because some people actually have nostalgia for 2020, the 2020 race, I guess. They, they just, they're, they're going to go with something familiar. That's what that, that's ultimately what that is. So Democrats are doing the lowest common denominator strategy here. But they know that there's a lot of loyalty to, to Trump and the Trump campaign. They know this from people. So what they want to do is they want to take that and they want to portray any other potential ally that could be a consideration for 2024. They want to paint that person as a threat to Trump and the Trump camp and the Trump and entity. The, that, that's how they want to use it, whether it's DeSantis or anyone else. And then they want to weaponize the support for Trump. They want to turn that against that potential coming up in 2024. That's exactly what they're trying to do with Trump and DeSantis right now. It is a psychological mind blank. And there are some people on the right that are stupid enough to fall for it because they're griftings, they're grifter idiots. I didn't, you know, I see it. Like this, this piece, Politico, the, the Trump-DeSantis rivalry breaks into the open. There isn't, though. I mean, for the love, did you hear what Trump had to say about DeSantis? He's running for God. DeSantis needs to have, 
Let me tell you, DeSantis cannot do 2024 without winning and becoming governor again. It's not going to happen. He has got to be focused on that. Not only does he have to be focused on nailing that race, but then he's got to serve the people that elected him because those people make up his base for any kind of potential White House run. So you don't want to get the, the cart before the horse here. And people don't understand this. If DeSantis is going to run, he's playing the long game. Democrats have forgotten how to do that. They've gotten so impatient over the past 40 years. They have forgotten how to play the long game and they end up screwing themselves over. So they're not really looking at that. They want to weaponize this now, except that it doesn't make sense. It's anachronistic because by the time 2024 comes around, I think that there's going to be, I think that, I don't know. I think a lot of things are going to be different then than they are now. And so considerations are going to be affected. I'm not going to look into a crystal ball that doesn't exist and speculate. But they're trying to do this now specifically to harm in 2022 and to ding DeSantis in Florida because they want tr- the, those people who are loyal to Trump, which, by the way, the people who are loyal to Trump are loyal to a DeSantis governorship. That's what the media, that's one thing that the media doesn't seem to grasp. So when you see these pieces, know that that is exactly what they're trying to do. Exactly what they're trying to do. We'll have more on this here coming up. Uh, Also coming up, the kids are not all right. Education of kids is in decline, yet the Biden administration is pumping $5 billion not into bridging that gap, but into electric buses. Meanwhile, chest reconstruction surgeries or getting your boobs cut off for no reason at all has skyrocketed 400% in adolescence. And this is after Joe Biden met with the uh, woman face guy, guy who's in woman face at the White House, let him interview him. So we're going to get into all, I know it's just this crazy. I can't even believe I'm using these words. We're going to get into all of that more. If you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they're winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Visit patriotmobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation using offer code Dana. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement, make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. Patriotmobile.com slash Dana. That's patriotmobile.com slash Dana, 972-PATRIOT. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. No, it, no, it wasn't going to be easy after you know having a stroke after five, uh, five months. In fact, uh, in fact, in, in fact, I don't think that's ever been done before in American political history before. Hmm. Zero. That's how is that supposed to be a positive? That's Fetterman saying, yeah, I'm going to debate five months. It hasn't been done. It's an American blue. And so that what is that? What the hell does that have to do with it? It doesn't have to do with anything. He's just trying to act like be sorry for me and just go ahead and give me the seat. 
That's not you. You got to campaign. You can't just, you know, get the seat just because you had a stroke. You, you actually have to campaign. How dare you say that? How dare you assume otherwise? Good grief. I'm telling you what. I'm currently right now looking at this piece from ABC because they're trying to go after Missouri gun laws after the uh, shooting in South City that took place. And I, I see all these people, including apparently Cori Bush, who was roundly criticized by local media because she apparently like hijacked the press conference to make it all about like get B-roll for her campaign or something. I don't know. And but she, there were a lot of local reporters that were rolling their eyes and criticizing her. And and I hear I heard that from a number of local reporters who were there rolling their eyes and criticizing her. And they were telling me this on background. So. I'm looking at this piece because everyone's like, oh, Missouri has weak gun laws. And and ABC has this. They publish this. And I'm fisking it on break. It is a stupid piece written by someone dumb who, and I know if you expect me to be nicer with my adjectives, then I suggest that people do more work to earn a better uh, rebuttal because they just lazily rewrote every town talking points. The Michael Bloomberg anti-gun group. For instance, they say Missouri doesn't require a background check to buy or own a gun, according to every town. My first gun was purchased in Missouri. That is a lie. Missouri, like every other state, is not exempt from the existing federal regula- regulations that that administer and detail what you can and can't do as a prohibited possessor or a non-prohibited possessor. Missouri is not exempt from this. Not exempt. And they get into it because they have the Second Amendment Preservation Act. And this is simply the Second Amendment Preservation Act is nothing. I mean, and I've talked to to the Attorney General Eric Schmidt about this and many others. That's just an affirmation of the state's Tenth Amendment rights in the face of federal overreach. It's sort of I don't want to say it's redundant because some of the language which I have read of the of the act is not redundant it it just it just really tightens up anything that even could be construed as a loophole uh but it protects the state against federal commandeering right it's a 10th amendment protection we got this and more coming up stay with us more of the show coming up second hour on the way if you're a regular listener then you've heard me talk about Keltec and all the reasons why they're one of my personal favorites when it comes to firearms privately owned family company Keltec has been making one-of-a-kind american-made firearms since 1995 driven by creativity Keltec doesn't just copy other weapons on the market they innovate new ones including the new p50 the p50 platform is based around a 50 round double stack magazine which lays horizontally along the top of the grip the 5.7 cartridge comes in several variants from sporting hunting to personal defense and with how easy it handles its smooth shooting because it's well balanced and thus accurate you can definitely see Keltec's reliability and quality at work the p50 is fun on the range but it's also great for serious home protection to find out more about the p50 and all other Keltec weapons and products, check out Keltechweapons.com. That's K-E-L-T-E-C weapons.com. Keltech, creating innovative quality firearms to help secure your world. Keltechweapons.com. Over the summer, did the U.S. strike a deal with Saudi Arabia to boost oil production? Look, there was, uh, and we, we talked about it before the trip, um, but uh, uh, that energy security was going to be something the president talked about when we went, that we were having conversations uh, with Saudi Arabia before the trip about better balancing supply and demand. Hmm. 
Interesting, interesting. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Top of our second hour this Thursday. That's John Kirby, who will not say if the U.S. had a deal with Saudi Arabia for more for more oil production. But we kind of know the truth on this. I sent out, if you sign up for the newsletter, it's in your email prep the, that I sent out this morning. There was a really interesting piece that was in the New York Times yesterday. I was reading this last night. And... It gets into how Biden and the Saudis kind of had this deal. Because remember how Saudi Arabia had said that Joe Biden came in and uh, they were basically begging for more for more oil. They were they were begging for for more oil uh, production and OPEC plus OPEC plus Russia. They decided they neutralized that. So this piece, and it's very eye-opening. It's in the New York Times. Some of it we already kind of knew, but they get into a little bit more. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big story. And essentially, there was a conspiracy to cut a deal with the Saudis, with Saudi leaders. And Biden's visit over there was just basically putting the bow on it. But the Saudis ripped out the rug from underneath him. And... He, Biden was really planning on this, saving Democrats the headache of dealing with energy headlines and gas prices going into midterms. And so as he was planning, the story notes that, you know, it looks like they may have kind of really just lost to Congress because of this. They said as he was planning this politically risky trip to Saudi Arabia this summer, his top aides thought they had struck a secret deal to boost oil production through the end of the year, an arrangement that could have helped justify breaking a campaign pledge to shun the kingdom and its crown prince. It didn't work out that way. So let's stop here for a moment. Remember, the statement that Biden made, was it during the campaign when he had said, no, 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 I don't think think it was right after he was elected, where he was calling Saudi Arabia an enemy and, and, you know, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Very strong language. They were on the outs because of Jamal Khashoggi, right? And just a sidebar on that, everyone acts like Jamal Khashoggi was basically a, 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 a saint when he was actually an activist who was a journalist and kind of, he was in oppo journalism. That's kind of what this was. So he knew what he was doing with this. That's not sanctioning the killing of a reporter, but at the same time, don't act like he was just like whistleblowing. I mean, the guy knew what he was doing. I mean, it, there was... There were political allegiances and dirty deals all around with that, okay? So, this um, deal, and the, the words that Biden had said, you know, he said that Saudi Arabia was on the outs. Now, keep in mind, this is right after the Trump administration. This is after Trump had developed a healthy relationship with Saudi Arabia. And I know that some people go, well, why would... You, you have to realize you're not going to be able to control... Are you a globalist? Because I feel like the people who, like, you know... Uh, get their get their jimmies rustled over this I, I feel like they're globalists because they don't realize that we don't have to take over every country in the world nor should we nor do we have an obligation to nor even could we you have to find ways to exist with other nations other nations that don't do things like you other nations that don't think like you other nations that don't have the freedoms that we have etc etc this should not have to be explained to people that can make themselves intelligent through autodidism and the internet but yet here we are because people willfully choose to be morons 
I get so aggravated over this because so many people don't get geopolitical issues and they're all neocons and Democrats. So you have to find a way to coexist with people. That's not accepting anything. It's just, I just want to do my thing and you do your thing. And we'll be happy with each other doing our own things. If we can find a mutually beneficial uh, arrangement that doesn't compromise anything and yet allows us to be, because that actually, ironically enough, would have helped a little bit with Nat Sex since you're not going to allow the domestic production. But we had great domestic production. We were beating the Saudis under Trump with export of oil and gas. And here you had the foreign policy team of the Trump administration meeting with Saudi Arabia. You had the Abraham Accords. Holy cow. It was like manna from heaven. You know, cats and dogs holding hands, skipping down the yellow brick road. I mean, it was wonderful. Everything was pretty lovely, was it not? We didn't have to worry about short stack in North Korea. We didn't have to worry about the, you know, the commie circus in Beijing as much because everyone thought that Trump was nuts enough to touch a button and boom, they would be exploded. So... You know, it was it was a pretty good deal. And then you get Joe Biden in office. Biden is all of Biden is the sloppy seconds of the Obama administration. He is kind of a placeholder. He's not really the president. All of the people behind him are. And he's just the placeholder. And he so they have him out there and he says all this stuff. Oh, you know, with the Saudi Arabia because of Khashoggi, etc. They're enemies, whatever. And then he decides to cuddle up to Iran, who hates us and has killed our soldiers, bombed our soldiers, uh, continues to carry out terror attacks on us through proxies like the Houthi, etc. And they hate Saudi Arabia. They've been in a power struggle. And if I got to pick one over the other, I'm not going to go with the people who call us the great Satan and continue. I mean, yes, you can make an argument about Saudis 9-11, etc. But again, geopolitics, it's not it's not cut and dry. Long story short, they'd signed on to Abraham Accords. You had trade opening up, flights, all kinds of stuff. Amazing things happening. Biden comes in. He decides to, for some reason, they are obsessed with making Iran like them. And I don't understand why. So they go over. This is after they were shooting their people in the street for the Green Revolution. And I just saw a headline. They apparently toppled some governor over there, which is huge. And so that makes the Saudis mad. Then he says they're enemies, etc. Are you shocked that they don't want to help him out with oil? So because of Biden and Democrat arrogance, everyone else in the country is paying the price. So you have Biden going over there, according to this New York Times piece, planning this risky trip, fist bumping uh, the crown prince there after he, you know, talked a real tough game on the other side of the ocean. And then went through with the trip. You know that they talked about this. For them to say otherwise is an absolute lie. If you believe that the administration did not talk seriously with them about oil, I have a bridge to sell you. So lawmakers, according to the piece, who had been told about the trip's benefits and classified briefings and other conversations that included details of the oil deal, which had not previously been disclosed and was supposed to lead to a surge in production between September and December, they were infuriated. They said Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman duped the administration. Well, you got to be a dupe to be duped in this situation. American officials and officials from Gulf Arab nations apparently all were talking to New York Times. They're mad over this. So they said that far from rebuilding the relationship with with, uh, the leader that Biden called a pariah and all this other stuff, now it's another low point in our ties with Saudi Arabia. So the thing... 
the the thing is, is that there's kind of a duality here. You have the crown prince who wants to, as the article notes, really kind of doesn't want to appear to be reliant upon the U.S. They have opened up. I think women can drive over there now. There's, they've been trying to reform some things. Whether it's for optics or not, I don't know, because I'm not over there. But this definitely to shed a, this optic of reliance on the United States. And so when Amer- American officials apparently told New York Times that days before this OPEC plus thing, and remember when I said they were all going up to the, I think it was the Netherlands or something, if they're all going up there in person to meet, something serious is going to be announced. And they had received assurances, they said, from the crown prince that there would be no production cuts. And then they said there was, they learned of the reversal. That is one of the, that is one of the, I, everyone who is involved in that should have been fired. They should have been fired. See, back during the days of the, I was watching a historical uh, piece on different monarchies and all this stuff. Like, it's what I do late at night to try to go to sleep. And they would, they used to basically put, like back in the olden days, they would put their, their ministers and advisors and their privy council members who did stupid stuff like this. There would be horrible consequences. There isn't anymore because, you know, everybody's it was. But nobody gets fired. Nobody even gets fired or fined or even anything. People can commit crimes and no one goes to, I mean, look at Lois Lerner. Nothing ever happens. Look at the FBI agent uh, who, was, who was doctoring emails. Nothing ever happens. So you have this reversal. None of these people, none, none of these people saw it. Or they saw it and there wasn't anything. I, I just, I'm amazed at the hackery. That is insane. You've got it. You're, you're telling me that calling the, the, the leader of the nation that you need to do a deal with a pariah and you would treat him as a pariah? You didn't see that there might be some sort of response coming? We have some of the dumbest people making foreign policy decisions right now. So American officials, they made this last ditch effort to try to change their, their minds. And there was, there was this battle in the, uh, in the press. The Saudi energy ministry said, we reject any allegations and mischaracterizations made by these anonymous sources. They're entirely false. You know, the decisions of OPEC Plus, this is at the, you know, the, from all the members. So now we have, a, no, we're expected to have another price surge in gas this December. And that, is n- that does not even include the forthcoming embargo on all Russian oil in Europe. That's coming in December too. They all knew this and they were trying to get ahead of it. At, and Biden, in spite of knowing all of this, Democrats outright refuse to increase our own domestic production. Instead, choosing to further strangle it to even, I don't even know if it's possible, to more slowly walk the permitting process, if not shutting it down entirely. And instead, he's actually going to try to empower Nicolas Maduro down in Venezuela, one of Russia's best friends. See if we can rely on them for their dirty oil and gas. Holy wow. So he's going to make another tyrant. We could take that position and have clean gas and not, and not have a commie blood oil. But instead, he wants to make more tyrants. Biden's not a kingmaker. He's a tyrant maker. You know, because the green grift is that important that America's national security must be sacrificed at the altar of virtue signaling. And so apparently there's uh, there are some basically what I get from this New York Times piece is that there is a faction 
in the Democrat Party, I don't know how big, big enough to get, to have a piece in the New York Times, that are livid, and this is kind of the first volley at Biden over this. They have a whole thing on the fist bump, everything. But they had this plan. I don't know if it was that secret, but it kind of played out. We saw what happened. Everybody knew that after everything with Russia, after we decide to cut our own production and we stop being a net exporter, we knew that, well, we're going to go back to relying on OPEC. And it happened to coincide perfectly with Biden going over there. So it wasn't exactly secret because they're so bad at planning this stuff, just like they were so bad at trying to undermine the 2016 election with FISA. I got more on this because this is a big piece and I want to come back to it. And I'll leave you with this. The Biden apologists are saying that, well, it was Russia. They influenced the Saudis. That's what it was. I'm not kidding. I Really? You called them a pariah and then you decide to cozy up with their arch enemy, Iran. What the hell did you think was going to happen? Oh, my gosh. We're going to come back to this. I can't. This article is huge. I, you, I, if you got the email, I hope you read it. If you didn't read any of the stories, because I always include sound bites, headlines, and then things I'm reading, you need to be reading it. It's a very interesting, eye-opening piece. It's going to give you some info ahead of midterms. If you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they're winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Visit PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation using offer code Dana. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. PatriotMobile.com Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com Dana 972-PATRIOT. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. All right, so inflation is driving people to commodities like gold, but especially silver. I feel like this is a commercial, but it's not, I swear. Uh, so apparently, there was the re- it's the report from the bullion starts the people who watch the metals. That's all I know. And I love shiny things, so this is, you know we're all friends here. They said that more than 50% uh, they reveal that more than 50% of deliverable silver on Comex is suddenly not available. Mainly, uh, they said that it was brought up uh, earlier this month. Metals expert Nikki Shields, who said that delegates in attendance of the annual LBMA, the, the gold conference in Lisbon, they said that the focus was on physical tightness driven by unprecedented demand, super bullish silver. Interesting. It is used in a lot of things I've learned. So suddenly now I'm really into silver. Sorry, where? Well, sorry, you know, if you're looking to werewolf hunt, not nah, we need those the silver and the silver bullets more than the werewolves need to die. It's Halloween. I can say that. TMZ reported that Jerry Lee Lewis had kicked the bucket, and then it's now it's not. He's still he hasn't. They said it. He's his rep goes. Nope, he's still alive. 
Because I, I was thinking of that. I, 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 I'm, you know, everything is in threes, and I'm immediately. Axios said it's a bad winter for media. Tons of layoffs. The ad market's declining. One of the first things cut in bad economic times. CNN's looking at layoffs too. We have a bunch more on the way. Stick with us. Hey, this is Todd Herman, host of The Todd Herman Show. You might have heard me on Rush Limbaugh's show. I was a regular fill-in for about eight years. God rest Rush. I now do a show out of the high mountains of free America because, you know, I got exiled from Seattle. Liz Tuss lasted about two and a half hours as prime minister of England. How could she last longer? Yeah, she made some mistakes, but she's also not mobbed up. The new prime minister of England is obsessed with something. Check out the Todd Herman Show every day on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Shooting down woke culture one crazy headline at a time. It's the Dana Show. Welcome back to the program. We're going to start barring the studio door so we don't have people barging in. Uh, we it's midterm update. You're a lovable curmudgeon. I'm not lovable today. <laughs> Rarely ever. You're just curmudgeon. So we have your midterm update. And I was playing around. One of my favorite things to do is play around with the Senate map. And what I'll do is I'll do worst case scenario. And then to make myself feel better. I walk it back up to a more realistic expectation. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. So just to, just to, you know, the way it is, the projection. So it's weird because the crystal ball forecast and then RCP is a little different because they have a, they have Arizona, the uh, Sabato folks, they have Arizona as uh, like our leans dem. Whereas RCP has it, uh, they think it's gonna. They think it's gonna go red. I don't know if I believe that. Um, I don't know if I, like I said, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. I was looking at this last night, as I said. It's the uh, Center for Politics, and in looking at this, because they have they have it the their Senate ratings. They have Democrats forty nine, Republicans forty nine, two toss ups. And they, they're looking at Arizona as going blue. And Pennsylvania, it's kind of, and they still have Nevada as the toss-up. But, I don't know, I'm looking at this, I think Nevada may go red. I think Pennsylvania, though, and you can create your own map with this, too. So let's look, what are the, what are the four most contested races? I think Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin's going to, is, is, going to be red so that puts us at 46 49 and remember what's that magical number we got to hit two got to hit that magical number so let's see where we're at so if we had we have pennsylvania georgia uh nevada and arizona which i think are the most contested i'm feeling pretty good about Nevada, even though it's 47-46, Laxalt's only 0.5 ahead, and then considering the margin of error, it's not a lot. But I think that, I, I, I think that that is, and I think Lee's gonna, Lee will be fine in Utah. Um, if we had that without, without considering Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania yet, that puts us at 46-50. That has a plus one change. So now, let's be tough. Let's look at Arizona. Mark Kelly and Blake Masters, 46 to 45. And they're really trying to turn Masters out. 
We, I mean, there's no reason why it should be that close. Guys, record, record high inflation. The economy has not been this bad since before I was born. And a lot of you out there were born. Some of y'all were babies. It's, it's rough. How in the world are they this close? It comes down to three things. Messaging, retail politics, media buys. Those three things going into this. And the retail politics takes people. You got to have people do it. Tell me what do you think is, is more affordable? And I was telling somebody this over uh, one, of the, one of the groups that was trying to recruit people in to get them to go out and do phone banking, like in my county that we're in. And it is crucial. Let me just explain something to you. How unbelievably crucial this is. When you consider that this is just four races and you have, and I'm pulling this thing up for you. you when you have four races, you have crazy, you know, it, you can't, you're going to have to have the Senate in order to do big stuff. It's not, it's great to have the House. This is just a numbers game. You want to have the number, because you have to always account for the people like Romney and the Collinses and Murkowskis. You always have to account for those people. You know, it can be frustrating. So you want to make sure that you have a buffer against that. If you're wanting to do things like seriously lower taxes, repeal this Inflation Tax Act, you're going to you're also going to need the Senate as well. Absolutely. You're going to need the Senate. And so this is a huge election that's going to have major, major consequences here, obviously. And so when looking at this. You have Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, like I said, Kelly Masters. What do you think about Arizona, Kane? You think that that, let's just play for a second. Is that going to be something that's like red? Do you think that's going to be red? I know that I'm hoping that it will be, but I, th- I think so. I mean, the way that you see Carrie Lake for governor uh, really catching fire there right now, I think there is a momentum towards the red right now. Mm. Yeah, I think so. So let's, let's go on because Carrie Lake can have some coattails. Let's just say, let's say leaning Republican. That puts 46 Democrats, 51 Republicans, net change plus two. This is our best case scenario. I'm looking at best case scenarios. Pennsylvania, let's say that it goes GOP. That's 46 to 52. Let's say Georgia goes GOP. 46 to 53. That's, that's a good number. But I don't think it's necessarily going to be that. I think that I don't, I'm not, look, I think that, that Pennsylvania may end up going Democrat. And if Pennsylvania goes Democrat, that gets us at 47.52. Now, and here's another reason why Mike Lee is incredibly important. If Mike Lee doesn't win that seat, it's going to be, it's not going to be 47.52. He will caucus with Democrats. So, uh, so that Evan McMuffin would be a Democrat if he won against Mike Lee, which is insane, but that's just the way it is. And then Georgia, I think that well, I think that Walker can pull it off. You just got to keep focusing on Warnock's record. I think we will end up with forty-seven fifty-two. That is my projection. I think it's going to be forty-seven fifty-two. I think of the states that we may not take, it would be Pennsylvania and Arizona. I think I'm, I feel okay, but not overly confident about Nevada and Georgia. So we'll see. But 
I really think that that's kind of that's I, I think that that's what we're what we're gonna what we're gonna end up with. And do you what do you think? You feel confident about that? And and you know recently, in the, so let's say two weeks ago, it wasn't even this wasn't even like this. Mm-mm. This all this has happened in the last two weeks. Yeah, all this has happened. Like really, I mean, guess what you got to think of. I mean, it's it is insane that it's even this close when you consider the way that the economy is right now. But a lot of this is that people look. If you can't get people out to vote, you're not going to get people out to campaign either and you got to have people to campaign one of my favorite quotes from jefferson is he says i'd rather have too much liberty to attend to than too little of it okay well part of attending to liberty is doing your duty and going out and phone banking and going door-to-door canvassing people are like i want to have my weekends for me that's great but you're warming your hands by the fire of another patriot and that's grifting that's welfare politics it's what it is don't be do not do welfare politics and have the same activists in the same counties in the same states all over the country doing the same heavy lifting over and over again now here's the thing i know and when i wasn't on air talking about these issues day in and day out man i was i was at campaign headquarters my kids have been raised doing this stuff at my side doing all the phone banking doing door-to-door stuff raising money for people all of this They grew up tagging along with mama. And I traveled to countless other states to try to get people to do the same. I didn't charge for it. I just said, if you can help me with my travel, great. Now, I know that not everybody who is out there can do what is being asked every day. But that's not what I'm asking. Everyone can do some, can do something some days. That is what I'm asking. That's a big difference. Nothing moves voters like hearing from average everyday people about these ideals and issues. That is the tip of the spear. Tip of the spear is those people. Because me, got to think about this. What do I do? I'm on air and I'm talking to people. Most of you agree with me. Some of you agree with me on everything. Most of you agree with me on a lot of things. Some of you agree with me on some things, and some of you just drive by haters, and that's fine. But the people who listen to me have their minds pretty much made up. I can't reach those people, the undecideds, the independents, the way you can when you're door to door, when you're phone banking in your own area. And those... Ladies and gentlemen, as we have seen from a number of polls, those are the people that ultimately swing the decision. That's why I say you're the tip of the spear. Now, in my county, I have one of the most, I live in one of the most conservative counties in Texas. And the left is out organizing, they are out calling, and they are out spending because people think, oh, I live in a Republican area. I'm totally, it's totally fine. Tell that to Colorado. They had 63 years of Republican administration. Their people thought the same thing. I've been up there. I was up there when Magpul left. It was an all-hands-on-deck moment when all of the activists and the grassroots people, there were, this, there were grassroots people that were screaming for everyone to please pay attention. This is what's happening. We're losing the state. And they did in two election cycles because people became apathetic. They thought, this is solid red area. I don't need to do much. 
And in two election cycles, they lost the whole state. Unbelievable. In fact, people were so happy, they didn't even realize there was an amazing guy from Pueblo, Colorado, who actually recalled their Senate pro tem and uh, went after some others after they had uh, banned guns and magazines and all this other stuff and just dropped out. He was an HVAC guy named Victor Head from Pueblo, Colorado. And he was mad at that, went, got petitions all by himself, dropped it on the desk of the Secretary of State, and there you go. We need more people like that. Anybody can oversaturate the airwaves. Anybody can oversaturate TikTok. Anybody can oversaturate Twitter. We have an oversaturation of people writing the same damn articles and tweeting the same damn things and doing the same damn TikTok videos and doing the same damn Insta video. I'm just so tired of it. We do not have an oversaturation of the people that are going door to door and the people calling people and raising money for folks and taking people to get registered to vote. And the sad thing is, is that the reason we do not have an oversaturation of it is because people want attention for doing stuff. Everybody has that as part of their currency. I get it. But you would rather have too much liberty to attend to than too little. Here's the the Republicans have the winning message and the winning record. Hi, we had super low taxes, yet still had high governor had high revenue. We were a net exporter of oil and gas. Foreign policy was stabilized because everyone thought our guy would press the button. And I'm totally fine with that. Peace accords, Middle East. Our enemies knew where we stood. And now look at it. Now we're paying 38% more a year for eggs. People can't afford to take vacations. They're having to choose between medicine and groceries. We have supply chain issues still from the people who wanted to lock down the biggest economy in the world. We still have high gas prices, and it's going to get even worse this December. We have the winning message, and most importantly, we have the solutions, but we need the push. I shouldn't have to go to someone else's state and raise money. I shouldn't have to raise money. Can I be real with you? I shouldn't have to raise money for, I go and raise money for everybody from Lauren Boebert to everybody else. People should be so mad in their districts that they will trip over themselves trying to donate for ad buys. That's, people should be mad. I'm telling you, they are mad. You have plus 17 swing since 2020 for women independence. And that's from a plus three Democrat-led New York Times poll with a 2000 sample. You have a plus 40 swing to R for minority voters within the past two election cycles. That's 538. Know it's your duty to do what you can to give up some free time after work, to get spend a Saturday morning doing this, because that is cheaper than paying even higher gas prices in December. It is cheaper than a broke economy. It is cheaper than another war to send your loved ones to. It is cheaper than a completely unknown future for your kids and grandkids. So take the time. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> It's time for Florida Man. I don't even know where to start on this. Okay, so Florida Man does something and gets paid. But it's amazing. It's the so they have this python hunt because back in the day somebody had them some pet pythons and they got done released in the swamps. So a Florida teen captured twenty-eight Burmese pythons and won ten thousand dollars. It's a sun up to sun sundown to sun up hunt. It's a 10-day competition because the snakes are invasive and they destroy the ecosystem. 
Not to mention, I literally had a headline yesterday about a big old python that ate a granny in Indonesia. So I'm just saying. So he got 28 of them. Matthew Concepcion was amongst 1,000 people from 32 states, Canada and Latvia, who participated. They got 231 of the unwanted pythons and Florida Fish and Wildlife. They said in a release that was, you know, it was great. One of them, uh, Dustin Crum, won a $1,500 grand prize. The longest one was 11 feet. They said earlier this year, a team of biologists got the heaviest Burmese python ever captured in Florida. Guys, oh, whoa, my gosh. 215 pounds, 18 feet long, and was developing 122 eggs. I am going, I can't move my hands now. I am so grossed out. I like snakes, but not like that. I don't want them to have anything to do with eggs or heaviness or longness. I I don't know. It's just uh. so they're not protected by Florida's anti-cruelty law because they are so invasive and all of that. So good. I mean, can we also give them keys to some cities and stuff? Like, what else can we do? Like, I just feel like they need more. And a Florida man burned his Yeezy shoes to protest Kanye's comments. You just burn your money next time. Just go ahead and set your cash on fire, dude. You already own them. Stick with us. We got more in store. But for now, seniors like Barb Smith have felt little relief. The 70-year-old volunteers at a free restaurant, a modern-day soup kitchen for the less fortunate. Thank you. But she's come to rely on the take-home meal she gets after her shift. I do have bills that have to be paid, and those have to be paid. And I have bought some groceries, but I ended up having to take it back because something else came up that was more important than what I bought. And sometimes I only eat one meal a day. So that meal means a lot. Yes. Hmm. Oh, man. This makes me mad and sad all at the same time. I don't know what field to let take over. I don't know. <sighs> Welcome to the third hour of the program, everybody. Dana Lash here with you. You're sad now, yet lovable, bemused, curmudgeon. We're just going to keep adding adjectives to that and see how it works. Uh, it then makes me sad. That was actually, I can't believe, that's from CNN. Is that because the new guy? Maybe. I mean, that seems kind of... I mean, to me, it's a slam dunk news story. Like, we're experiencing inflation. People are suffering all over. You go out there, you report on that. It's not like, you know, it's a biased thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but how crazy is it that you have to question it because it always has been? Yeah. I mean, they were telling... I mean, they, they were... Like, when they were out there with the riots, oh, mostly peaceful. There's literally, like, a raging fire behind you and people running around. It looks like Baghdad. It doesn't look like, you know... Oh, my gosh. They're mostly peaceful. Ah! And there's like fire and gunshots. And you're like, holy hell, where are you? <laughs> I'm in the USA. Man. So it's, I feel so, but that's how it is though. That's what it, that's where it is right now. And so this is what Biden and Democrats tell these people. Oh, Republicans are going to steal all your social security. No, that's not. We're going to make sure that no one else has to be like that much, re- that reliant on government and that fixed of an income. That's what we're trying to do. That's it. I just don't know. This is what I keep saying. You have the message. You have the message. This is what I used to tell people. And this is what I was telling people when we, when we were uh, talking about going door to door. This is what you would have to, how I would talk to people about this. I'd be like, so are you happy with how everything is right now? Are you happy with your taxes? 
Are you happy with the crime? Do you feel that you're getting what you should get with the investment of your tax dollars? Do you feel as though the people who are in government are serving you? Do you feel that things are affordable? So you should be asking people. Because they're going to say no, no, no. Okay. Do you want a solution? That's the language people need to be using, by the way. It's the, the choice is, it's not do you want a choice? They have a choice. It is, do you want a solution? You want a solution? Mm-hmm. Well, what, and you should be able to tell people what the solutions are. Do you know how to talk to people about what the solutions are? It's quite easy. Do you want to do you want to cut taxes, have more of your money and also curtail government spending? What are you going to do if you got more of your money? Economics is actually quite simple. My son's in uh, he's graduating from college this year, my oldest. And he's uh, taking some economics classes. His minors in business. And he was fascinated with how actually simple it all is. He's like, whenever you listen to some Democrats, and I don't sit here and feed him Republican talking points. I've never done that. But he's like, when you hear, you know, Biden or some other people talk about, they try to make it sound way more complex than it is. He's like, if you have more money in your pocket, what are you going to do? You're going to save some, but what are you going to do? You have more discretionary income. You're going to spend your discretionary income. You're going to purchase things. There is a commercial relationship here. You purchase things. That business from which you are purchasing, that helps them maintain wages and workers. And if enough people are buying it, they can expand. They create more. They hire more people. I mean, that is how it works. Democrats act like that's their money and and people are only doing well when government runs everything. They hate, the, they hate trickle-down economics. They, these are not people who believe, essentially, that a rising tide lifts all ships. They don't believe that. That's another way to say trickle-down economics. They think that wealthy people or that businesses hoard it all to themselves, and they don't realize that a lot of wealthy people, their wealth comes from business, and it's not really all of their wealth, especially when you consider that all of the... No, there, there is no old money, really, anymore in the United States. It was never, this is one of the things Tocqueville discussed when he came in and was, was writing about why the American Revolution was so different from the French Revolution, why the outcomes were the same. And he had noted that the aristocracy in Europe, they actually protected, the, they protected that class. The United States, they didn't. And in fact, it was the people who didn't have to work for anything if they had rich parents I mean, the majority of the time they ended up squandering or they, if you didn't, if they didn't have to work for it and they didn't know what it, what it took to make money and what it took to save and what things cost, then they were, I mean, statistically horrible stewards of anything that they inherited. There wasn't anything in place like in Europe to protect that class. I mean, hell, we have a death tax here. You're taxed. You turn around every, any, anything you, you, you're taxed on it. It's almost. It's, I mean, it's like hostile to that. And I believe that if you get a lot of money, you should be able to do whatever you want with it. It's your money. You earned it. You put in the time and hours nobody else did. But I do think it's interesting that Democrats are hostile to this belief. They think that 
that we have like the same because they themselves in many instances all the arist i mean you look at the families when you look at the rich people on the left and the rich people on the right there are way more if you want to say this is not the right phrase to use because it doesn't even really exist anymore old money on the left that's why you have like the you know the blue bloods and you know all the stuff in the northeast i mean it, there is just this old money democrat way of doing things more so than the right but i don't even care if they if they made their money legally that's their money but the whole thing is they always act like it's all the rich people that are keeping everything and not sharing it with anybody else there's no there there was a thing and, and i've shared it with you before in forbes i think it was wall street journal something like 98 percent of the wealth in the united states is new all the rich people they're new it's mostly from tech um it's mostly from tech the only ones anymore are the waltons that's the walmart people and like a couple of others a couple other families but there most of it is like the steve jobs the zuckerbergs the gates it's mostly that and so there when you go when you go out and you're talking to people an an unrestricted market is better for everybody and that's not what democrats want you got to ask people are you better now than you were here's the solution we're going to cut taxes we're going to stop unnecessary government spending we're going to rip up regulations that are preventing the good and competent extraction of oil and gas here domestically we're going to go back to being net exporters so we never have to worry about high gas prices or energy again I, I i'm always fascinated by the way whenever democrats get out there and they say oh these oil companies these big oil are making money they never actually are referencing opec have you noticed this they go after our refineries and our companies they never go after opec isn't that weird no, Biden goes over there and tries to kiss their butt after he insults, you know, Saudi Arabia and all this stuff. But that's what those are some of the first things we need to do. Do you want to be able to have health insurance no matter where you work? No matter what state you're in, do you, if you like your insurance, do you want to be able to have it be portable and take it with you wherever, no matter where you work? I always think it's wild that employers have to be in charge of health care. It's bizarre to me. It should be, you should make these companies compete, make insurance companies compete so you can get the best deal. Of course, that takes away a big chunk of the uh, money that uh, Democrats get for campaigns. That's why they don't do it. But that's why the same thing, you don't have school choice. You should be able to send your kids to whatever the hell school you want to. But you can't because Democrats get money from teachers unions. To put it simply, that's not being reductive, that's being honest. You want to be able to have your health, affordable health insurance, competitive? Do you want to make these companies compete for you instead of you feeling like you got to satisfy them? That's what we do. Do you want to go back to not worrying about whether or not your kids or grandkids or loved ones are going to go to war? Peace through strength, that's what we're going to bring back. And then there's so many with the Abraham Accords and with trade and with energy and with economic policy we have solutions we have them hand i mean it's hand over fist we have solutions we just need the push to go out there and tell people what you got to do this is what your options are now a few other things here 
that I'm not getting into. Oh my gosh, wait, is this, this is, oh, listen to this. Speaking of CNS news, federal tax collections have set a record in fiscal 2022. Over 4.8 trillion. Why is that not enough? Over four, you couldn't spend that in a million lifetimes. I'm just trying to even imagine 4.8 trillion. That is insane. Record spending. And it was up. It's an increase. 11%. That was collected in fiscal 2021. Actually, it's almost 12% increase. They're getting, and you're suffering. Where's it all going? That's the result of the tax cuts done in 18, 2017, 2018. Tax cuts that happened were continuing, and now we're seeing sort of the peak of it, uh, of record revenues coming into the government. We're not undertaxed. They not overspend. undertaxed. They overspend. Way, way, oh, and there, and golly, it's just uh, over $4 trillion. Actually, it's nearly $5 trillion collected. There's no reason why we need to have that. There, they don't, they, our government doesn't even need that much. It's insane. Yeah, it's not an issue of being undertaxed. Not an issue of that at all. So some of the other things we're going to be hitting. Another rail union has rejected Biden's deal. And now a nationwide strike is back on the table, potentially. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who was wearing sneakers, custom sneakers that said Madam Mayor. She's really obsessed with herself. She's going to give herself a raise. Yet you have bloody weekend after bloody weekend. Another record. Homicide in Chicago last weekend. She wants to give herself a raise, though. We're going to get into all of that. we got a bunch of stuff to hit still. And wokery. You don't want to miss. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. Mm-mm-mm. So I told you yesterday that the Arctic, or the Antarctic hole, the ozone, had shrank. The stratospheric layer. And there was another report. In, it was NOAA and NASA. Both now are determined that it is. So I guess the polar bears are going to continue on living and we're all not going to drown like Al Gore had said, correct? Yes. This, I got to share this with you. People in LA are, homeless people in LA are infuriating locals. They're boasting about hooking up washing machines to street power lines and setting up huge tin man tents on sidewalk with flower beds. These are like some bougie tents. They got flower beds. They got their washing machine outside. It was going. They have some stuff on the inside. I mean, it is a wild. And it's like in Hollywood. People got motorcycles out there. They they hook stuff up to the... Uh, wa- they hook stuff, their hoses up to the hydrant. They get power from light pole. I mean, they like get it all. It's like all hooked up and they don't got to pay for nothing. That's crazy. Some guy registered his beer as an emotional support animal. This comes by way of Food Network. He was actually able to get an official registration number for it. Don't know if he's going to be able to take his pine on the bus, but he did. He's a 47-year-old resident of Brooklyn. His name's Floyd Hayes. He's a very smart man, and he tried to register his beer as an emotional support animal. He says he is a creative director, ideas crafter, and consultant on on his website. And he went to the USA Service Dog Registration, entered in information for a 16-ounce pint glass of IPA. He says it offers him comfort when he goes out. 
He goes, I'm not permitted a dog in my building, so I thought an emotional support beer would be more appropriate. It helps alleviate my anxiety, and it's a cost-effective way to manage stress. He goes, I've had trouble trying to take the pine onto public buses and into places of business, so I had the idea to get it registered. He literally got his number. Although, when you ser- when he tried searching it after he told uh, Ailes Street News that it comes up as invalid, but he also shows off a certificate. He shows it off anyway, the registration he was able to get for his beer. He wants to be able to take his beer on public transport. He goes, I travel for upstate a lot. They go, but they say it's a federal crime to have a beer unless by prior written consent. And I always wondered where you get that consent at. Golly, I love this guy. And and I love this, though, because he said that uh, someone with the someone with the I guess the registration services. Uh, one person told the Brooklyn paper that uh, he can register his beer all day long. It's not going to let him anywhere. It's not going to get him anywhere. Yeah. OK, we'll see about that, Karen. We'll see. And more Americans are getting on tr- on TikTok. Not on other social media. Oh, good. Make sure you get the the communist Chinese-owned app that spies on you all the time. Yeah, good job on that. Stay with us. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. Is what's the choice here? What's the choice? Sure, what is Republican the choice? leaders mm-hmm. in Congress have said that if they get control of the Congress, they're going to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act, mm-hmm. cut taxes for corporations, raise the deficit. That'll make uh, inflation worse. Get rid of the cap on prescription drug costs that takes effect on January 1st. Get rid of Medicare's ability to negotiate prescription drug costs. That's going to make inflation and everyday costs worse. What is he talking about? That's Ron, isn't it? Is that Ron? Ron Klein? Ron? So he's complaining about raising the debt ceiling, uh, which is exactly what Democrats want to do right now. I'm sorry, but I'm distracted for a moment. I'm going to need, every single time we have Ron Klain, I'm going to need the Sammy from Jersey Shore. Ron, stop. I'm going to need that stinger. Man, I'm going to need it. I just, it's made, your name is Ron Klain and you say this stuff, I got I to gotta play that. We're gonna have to, I'm gonna have to put it on my thing here. Here, where my what is it? This little thing I got here, yeah. Steve? Because I don't have that. I mean, I've got, you know, like this. Finna get drunk and I finna yeet myself. <laughs> I got that. I got erection. This. You know, I've got i I've got those things. I need that. So we gotta have play Sammy. Ron, stop. First off, welcome back to the show. Uh Dana Lash here with you. Bottom of our third hour. What? <laughs> How does repealing higher taxes and tons of government spending work to reduce? I didn't think we had a deficit problem also. What the hell? Where did this come from? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's me putting on the brakes. Where did that come from? I thought everything was kittens and sunshine. Hey, it's a, what are you talking about? We don't got no deficit problem. No, we don't have anything. But then we're going to just go ahead and just just bump up that debt ceiling a little bit. Remember, he was, I got to share this piece with you. This stuck out to me because, again, it's CNN. We're going to have to have a little talk about what the heck's happening over there. Is it the new guy already? Or is it they hate Biden and they want a different progressive in the White House? Food for thought. Anyway. This is an actual headline they had six days ago. I had it saved. Biden contradicts himself with victory laps on deficit reduction and student loan relief. What? 
Wait, let me check this again. Is this actually CNN? Is it parody? Oh my gosh, it's, yeah, it is. I saved it under there. Actually, I also, this is, I, I wish I could show you this. My bookmarking system, I have it as WTF CNN because I couldn't believe that they'd said it. Just, you know, whenever I need. They said that President Joe Biden took a victory lap on Friday for the biggest one-year drop in the federal deficit in American history. That's despite the fact that the deficit remains historically high and all of the record-breaking $1.4 trillion deficit drop is driven by the fact that emergency COVID spending has lapsed. Hours later, Biden championed his student debt forgiveness program that completely wipes out the modest deficit savings created by the Inflation Reduction Act. I need to stop for a minute. Kane. Yes. What a I'm of many thoughts right now. What is Ron saying <laughs> to why is CNN reporting this like this? That almost sounds like something that sounds like the arrested development, the arrested development narrator wrote that. I now whenever do you guys do this too? I'm going to come back. Hang on. Just give me a second. Whenever you read something, because we're so partisan, we've gotten so tribal. Whenever you read stuff like this and you're like, wait a minute, this is CNN? What? Do you ever stop and go, what's wrong with me? (laughs) Am I I turning liberal? (laughs) Do you ever stop and ask yourself like, (laughs) what's wrong? Am I turning progressive? Do you just stop and kind of ask yourself that? Then they quoted, oh, it gets worse. It gets worse. And I mean, not like for us, but listen. Then they have, again, it sounds like the Arrested Development narrator wrote this. So here you have, let me just again, so you can really appreciate this continuation. Biden took a victory lap Friday because when you're dropped, blah, 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 blah. Despite the fact that the deficit remains historically high and all the 1.4 trillion deficit drop is driven by the fact that emergency covid spending has lapsed hours later biden championed his student debt forgiveness program a program that completely wipes out the modest deficit savings created by the inflation reduction act the dueling narratives from biden perplexed some budget watchers who remain deeply concerned about america's mountain of debt it does strike me as contradictory Dan White, senior director of the of economic research at Moody's Analytics, told, told CNN on Friday, on net, the policies of the administration have increased the deficit, not reduced it. <laughs> Wait, there's more. Maya McGinnis, president of the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, a deficit watchdog group, said, the White House is knowingly twisting the facts to tell a very different story than a fair and accurate one. McGinnis told CNN on Friday. Wait, what? McGinnis told CNN on Friday. Told CNN on Friday. Told CNN. CNN. (laughs) What? (laughs) What is happening? He does that with his job claims, too. Like he's created the most jobs of any president in history. No, you haven't. It's just the jobs that came back after the pandemic. It's it's not a brag. I love how you and I are focusing on totally different things at the story. Well, Everybody the gets served thing. the best of both worlds here. Same thing. You're like, Ron Klain is such an idiot. And I'm like, this is on CNN. <laughs> but that's what? what they do. 
they try and convince people with lies. So just because the numbers seem to reflect what they're saying, but it's not the case. It's not the truth. Listen, I mean, can I just can you appreciate the syrupy sweet sarcasm from the Dan White guy that they quoted over at Moody's? It does strike me as contradictory. I can't believe Kane I'm saying this but I feel like this piece and I became best friends I don't even know how to deal man yeah almost Ms. Paul level man I'm still looking through you know oh my gosh it gets worse wait hold up here we're getting to Ms. Paul level. It's like, you know how you watch Mob Psycho if you like anime? And it's like Mob's level. His, you know, get, it gets like up to like 51% or whatever. Things, you know, tick him off. Okay, so this is like Ms. Paul level. So it says, they have, uh, they go back to uh, Dan White, the whole, it does strike me as contradictory. So here's the subhead, drop in the bucket. Oh, that sounds like a fun ride. Let's do this. It says, the inflate, and again, CNN. The Inflation Reduction Act is projected to slash the federal deficit by $238 billion over 10 years, according to the CBO. However, most of those savings are slated to hit during the back of the decade. And that's relatively small savings relative to America's $31 trillion in debt. Quote, $238 billion is really a drop in the bucket, White said. It does strike me as contradictory. It is a drop in the bucket. I mean, this guy. Man. Oh, my gosh. And here's the subhead. Again, this is CNN, guys. I am mixed up. My head is a mess. It says the COVID emergency is over. This is still this piece. So you have the New York Times in this piece. Remember what I told you? Hold up. I know. We're going to come back to that. So they, they said... Oh, my gosh. They said that they were getting into emergency COVID spending that drove up the deficit has lapsed. And they said, I can't believe this is an actual sentence. And this is on CNN. Is this a trick? The bailouts for airline stimulus checks and forgivable loans are in the rearview mirror, thankfully. Mm. But wait, there's more. It's like a nesting doll of, oh, my gosh, it's just crazy. They say, they go, and it's Mr. Strikes Me as Contradictory, Dan White. Quote, that is the only reason, White from Moody said, quote, if the Biden administration should take credit for anything, it's for making things worse than they were. I feel like we need to protect who wrote this article because something could happen to them. I mean, that one dude with ABC got raided. I don't know what's going to happen here. So this is... Now we have this, and then we had this piece I was sharing with you from the New York Times, which is literally called... Let me go back up. Quote, U.S. officials had a secret oil deal with the Saudis, or so they thought. So I'm of two minds here. The very much smaller 
op- the op- optimistic Dana, which I cannot emphasize just how tiny and diminutive that portion is. The optimistic Dana is going, gee, this is great. You know what it means, guys? It means that other people are waking up. Maybe they're learning how to do math. Maybe they're becoming more conservative. This is great, guys. This is a win for individual liberty. And then the much larger, almost entirely made of cynicism, whiskey swilling, chain smoking, fist throwing, other side of me, kicks that little one and says, you moron, this is just because they don't like Biden. He's ruining their chances for 2024 and they want him out and another guy in. Shut up. So that's where I'm at. Kane? That's, actually, that's, that's actually pretty accurate, honestly. Be, right now, when you see a, an actual news entity like CNN report something like honestly, because the majority I fear of their, for their lives. Yeah. Like, first of all, you're concerned for their lives. And then second of all, you're like, wow, we shouldn't be that surprised, though. Like, we should have media entities <laughs> being truthful all the time instead of supporting a dem narrative. I, Yeah, I'm with you. I think that don't get sucked into it. Yeah, I know. I bet I, I'm trying it. hard. I'm trying real hard. I'm trying hard here, Ringo. I'm trying hard to be the shepherd. But I, uh, it is amazing. Is it not? So there you go. There, I do, I'm kind of leaning towards the cynicism side. Just to, you know. Okay, I have one real quick thing to get. I know we got to, gosh, we got to get moving. Uh, Campus Reform has a story. The University of Wyoming, Kappa Kappa Gamma. They became the first sorority to accept a dude into its sisterhood. Artemis Langford. His name is Artemis. Okay, well, there's your first problem. He's a male who woman faces. And he said he is excited to, quote, be in a sisterhood of awesome women that want to make history. Oh, boy. Um, okay. But it's a woman's group. I hope feminists are, fe- are understanding the way men felt when women were trying to bust up into men's clubs. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Like, can women, can we have some stuff that's our own? I want dudes to have, like, their own. Like, what did, didn't um, McSorley start out in New York as a dudes-only ta- dudes tavern? Yeah. I'm fine with dudes having a place to go and talk to other dudes and, and complain about dude stuff. Everybody needs that. Women need that. But man, like this is not not how you do it. I had to share that. I had to share that wokery headline with you in in Wyoming, man. I blame Liz Cheney. I'm just saying. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays noon to three p.m. Eastern time. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter, chapter and verse. All kinds of good stuff up there. Uh, as always, I'm watching this video. I was watching this video on break of a climate activist vandaling Johan Vermeer's girl with the pearl earring thing, the painting thing, painting. Every art person out there was like, oh my gosh, you killed me. It's actually a lot smaller than I thought it would be when I was looking at this video. Anyway, this guy tries gluing himself to it and he... They dump someone dumps tomato sauce. Maybe soup. I'm not sure. 
Yeah, I... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't even know what that... I don't even know what... Yeah, why did they do... Was that... I was. That, I don't know. I don't know why somebody did... Anyway, I'm just, like, watching this video, like, what in the world? Do they realize that there's, like... Um, what What is in the stuff that they're wearing? The products that they're actually using to glue themselves to the... They're upset about oil and gas, but they're using petroleum from the oil industry in their products <laughs> wow i i i don't know man just 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 weird i don't even know what that's supposed to accomplish other than you look like a fruitcake oh no so uh oh and apparently tudor dixon's uh, gonna win the michigan race yeah, governor's race man this is looking good just saying don't but but you know don't get overly confident be active. All right, today's stupidity came. Speaking of political races, of course, uh, Lee Zeldin going up against Kathy Hochul. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had an attempt on his life with a stabbing. Uh, it was a month and a half ago. Yep. Or something. Well, Sonny hosting Stupid Sonny on The View uh, had this to say about that particular interaction. Mm-hmm. Last few months, Lee Zeldin was nearly stabbed on stage while campaigning in New York. A bullet well, he's came hated. within That's 30. True. Yeah. He's hated is her response to the fact that he had a stabbing attempt on him. Oh, for the love. Sonny's no, that's like, yeah, that's Sonny's the absolute words. Folks, uh, I, I will be off air tomorrow. I've got a, I got mama duty. I got a, a kid thing I got going on tomorrow afternoon. So I got that has to take priority. We're coming to, with one of my kids coming up to that time of year. So I'll be doing that tomorrow. Uh, but our, bro- our brother from another mother, Sergio, is going to be in for me. And you're still going to get your newsletter. I'm still going to send stuff out to you. Make sure you go sign up, Substack, Chapter, and Verse. I hope you have a great night. I'll be back with you behind the mic on Monday.